I don't know about you, but in my opinion, just about every day is a good day to be on a boat. I mean, if you're out there on the waters, it's a beautiful thing. Whether it's in the ocean, on a lake, or downtown in the river. Well, I don't know. There's some crazy stuff in the river sometimes. So maybe let's not go to the rivers. Lakes or oceans, right? But it's a great day to be out on the boat. And the struggle is when you're out in a boat is whenever you turn off the engine or you quit paddling with the oars, what happens in that moment? You begin to drift. Because as soon as you turn the engine off on the mode, on the boat, you become whatever the current takes. You go wherever the current takes you. Because the current dictates your direction. That's why we need the engine. That's why we need people who will use the oars. Because that provides the power and the resources to navigate through the current. So you can dictate where you want to go. But as soon as you turn that off, you, get go, you go wherever the current takes you. And as it goes, and as it goes, and as it goes, eventually you find yourself in a pit of mud on the side of the, side of the waters. The question is, what directs you in the current world? In the current of the world that surrounds us, that surrounds you, whether it's nationally, globally, or just in your own life, we all have a current going on all around us that's pushing us and swaying us and pulling us in all different directions. And oftentimes direct, it guides us towards muddy waters. Do you live with intentionality? Or are you just a drifter? Are you just kind of drifting through the current of life? You know, when your life and your values and your emotions are dictated more by the current of the world than by what you're trying to pursue. And here's the problem. The more we allow drift to happen, the more we allow ourselves just to turn off the engines of us and just allow ourselves to drift in the current of this world, then what intensifies in our heart and our mind are these questions that we all wrestle with. Questions like, why am I here? Who am I? What is my purpose? Why do I even exist? We all wrestle with those questions. Let's just be honest with ourselves. I wrestle with those questions. You wrestle with those questions. And every person that ever existed has wrestled with those questions. It's the questions of life. And sadly, what tends to happen when we turn off our engines of what we are being intentional about, what we are pursuing, we drift. And as we drift, those questions don't get answered. They just intensify in the, rea in the reality of what we're asking. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And so I want to tell you guys, before we even get into the meat of everything that we're going to be talking about today, you need to understand something. You... You were created with a purpose. Please do not overlook that, neglect that, or not realize that. You, my friend, were created with a purpose. But what engine drives you? What engine or what current are you allowing to drive you? Because if we all just become drifters in this world allowing our direction to be dictated by the current of whatever it is that surrounds us, 
Whatever it is that's going on all around us in our life or whatever's going around us uh, worldly or globally, what tends to happen in that moment, the more we drift, is that we will miss out on our God-given purpose. You were created with a purpose. Just look at some of the things that's been written all throughout scriptures. First, look in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14. It's written, For you were created in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You were created. Especially with a creator that's very focused on you. And then later on in Jeremiah, in a very dark time in the history of the people of God, when they just were struggling with their direction, their purpose, they were asking all these same questions. The same questions we asked today in 2022, they were asking the the same questions thousands of years ago. What's our purpose? Why are we here? Where is God in this mess? And Jeremiah wrote in 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Fast forward to the New Testament. Again, people are wrestling with the same questions. Why am I here? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? Where do I belong? What's going on in the world around me? And people are wrestling the same questions. We're dazed and confused. And the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, my friends, all throughout the Bible, over and over and over again, we are told and we are reminded that we are uniquely created by the master designer himself. You are. We're uniquely created by the God of all the universe. Don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever overlook that reality. And know this, this master designer who created you, created you and ordained you for a specific purpose. For such as a time As this, you are here. There is no chance. God is always working behind the scenes. And as we pursue him, we experience our value and our purpose that he ordained us to be in. The question is, are we living our God-ordained purpose? Are we chasing him? Are we pursuing him? Or are we just beginning to drift? And then as you drift, you begin to pursue your own heart, your own way of living, your own desires. Because as that happens, there's a problem. As we just allow that happen. It's not like we desire like, hey God, I just want to be a drifter. That's not how it happens. It happens naturally. And as it happens naturally, what happens then is our heart and our emotions get so easily swayed by the current that surrounds us. 
And before you know it, we're more swayed by the current that's pulling our heart and our emotions that just intensifies those questions. Why am I here? Why do I exist? What is my, pro- what is my purpose? And all of a sudden, everything seems to look good. Why? Because it's the intensity in my heart is just being attracted by everything that feels good or seems right. In fact, over 2,000 years ago, thousands of years ago, when people were struggling with the same issues. You see, this is not a new problem in 2022. This is a humanity problem that's been going on from the beginning of time. And thousands and thousands of years ago, when the people were wrestling with the same exact stuff, the prophet Jeremiah wrote this. This isn't your notes. Just listen to his words in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. He said, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Back in that time, Jeremiah is saying, Hey, guys, you're drifting. Be careful. You're, you, we just tend to follow our, our, our own heart. What feels right? What seems right? And guess what? Your heart is deceitful. We can't cure it. It's the humanity of mankind. Who can even understand it? Let's just understand it and know it and stop drifting. That's what Jeremiah was saying. Because he knew, and what we need to realize, is our heart just naturally drifts. If we're not careful if we're not focused, if we're not intentional, we drift like a boat in the water that just turned off the engine. And as you drift, before you know it, you find yourself in a whole bunch of mud, a whole bunch of junk. As the questions just intensify, who am I? Why am I here? Why do I exist? And drift happens because of a lack of intentionality. You see, because of the lack of intentionality in our walk, it just creates more and more and more drift. And then it causes us to miss our purpose. Miss what God has always wanted to do in your life and through your life. It's about seeing the bigger yes of who we are and why we exist We all have a bigger yes. That's your God-ordained purpose that he's given to you, that he created you for. And at some point in our journey, we need to see and understand and recognize what is the bigger yes for me? What's God calling me to? What is my purpose in life? But what tends to happen, we miss out on God's bigger yes because we say yes to a whole bunch of other things in our heart of drifting. Maybe it's your hobbies or your activities or the things you like or extra stuff at work to help you get ahead or maybe it's your kids' hobbies. You name it. But we all get trapped into it. We just say yes to everything and we get so overwhelmed with life because we said yes to everything that came to us and then before you know it, we've lost focus of what is the bigger yes we're called to And we're just overwhelmed with life. And the intensity of the question just got magnified. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why do I exist? I'm so overwhelmed. 
Come on, we've all have been there. And maybe some of us are in that moment right now. You see, being intentional is about setting priorities in life. We need priorities. And when we don't set priorities based upon God's direction, based upon his value in us and his purpose and his calling for us, other people's priorities quickly become our agenda. And we've become so overwhelmed with life because we've allowed other people's ideas and focus to become the priorities of our life. And if we're not intentionally moving towards Jesus and his plans for our lives, drift inevitably occurs. And then as drift occurs, the confusion of our value and our purpose just grows and grows and grows. Just like sitting on that boat with the engine off, you just drift and you drift and you drift and boom, you're a whole bunch of junk and mud and you're stuck. And it doesn't happen just like that. Satan works slowly and methodically. Look what's written in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It's written, we must pay attention, pay, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Do you see what happened? The Hebrews writer kind of laid out the natural occurrence of drift that tends to happen in our life. And that is this. Drift occurs when we lose focus of what we hear. And then when we lose focus of what we hear, inevitably it drives our actions. My friends, we need to be intentional and focused on what we are allowing into our hearts and our minds through our ears and our eyes. You think it doesn't matter. We think, I'm okay, I've got this. But the reality is this, subconsciously, it's beginning to control you. You don't believe me? Just evaluate yourself later today or this week as you pull out your device and you're bored in the moment. And then you're just like going through whatever social media account you're on and you're just flipping, flipping, flipping and just allowing it all just to go in. And before you know it, we've lost complete focus on what we are allowing ourselves to hear. And we think we have control of it. We think it doesn't make a difference for us. But believe you me, subconsciously, it's consuming you. And it's beginning to take over. And if you're not careful, drift begins to happen. And the more you drift, the more you lose focus of what you're allowing yourself to hear, the more it begins to consume your heart, your emotions, your view of what's going on around you, and inevitably, your actions. And like I said, this is not a new world issue. Drift has happened from the beginning of time. All throughout the Bible, drift occurred. 
Go back to the very beginning when God created man and woman, Adam and Eve. They had everything that was, and they actually and physically walked with God in the flesh, in person. They were there with God. And they could have everything within that whole garden except for that one tree. And they just couldn't get over the fact that they could not have that one tree. And drift occurred. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. Both worked out in the land for different, re- for different things. And they both talked to God regularly and brought offerings to God. And God looked down on Cain because of the attitude he had when he brought his gift to him at one time. And it grew anger within Cain. And then before you know it, drift occurred. Later on, there was a man by the name of Abraham in the Old Testament. God told him, Abraham, you will have a son and you will be the father of many nations. But Abraham was very old by that time. And he just did not buy into what God was telling him. And God was not coming through with that promise in the way or the timeline that Abraham thought would happen. And then drift occurred. Moses led the people out of Egypt, which was the most strongest, most fortified, dangerous and mean nation in the history of that time. And they controlled and had the Hebrew people as slaves. And through Moses, God did some of the most amazing miracles, signs and wonders that this world has ever seen. And it ended by God splitting the Red Sea and walking them to freedom. And just days later, when they found themselves in the desert, drift occurred. David was a man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. He brought, God led him up the ranks and to become the king of Israel. And through, through David, God delivered some of the most amazing victories possible that the world has ever seen. And when he was older in his years and maybe getting a little down on himself about not being able to do the things that he once was able to do, he found himself standing on top of that castle looking over the city, and there she was, bathing on the roof. Drift occurred. You go to the New Testament, and there was Peter. The apostle Peter, wacky knucklehead Peter, who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, knew everything about Jesus, heard all the stories, saw firsthand all the miracles, And then the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter drifted. You see, this is not something new to us today. This is a humanity thing. It's a struggle we all have. And we all tend to use the excuse, you know, boy, if I was those people in the Bible, if I saw the miracles, if I walked with Jesus in the flesh, if I was actually there, I mean, it would be so much easier. I mean, life would be so much better because I would see it, he would be right there, and I would get it, and, and everything would be so much better. Did you read the Bible? That's not true. Because every person you read in the Bible, other than Jesus, drifted. And they interacted with him. On a regular basis. And the fact is, Jesus, through his spirit, is with you every day. Every day. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. The problem is not our feeling that God is absence. The problem is not 
at the absence of God in one, any way, shape, or form. The problem is our lack of intentionality in what we hear and what we do. We drift because we're not focused on what we are allowing ourselves to hear and what we are allowing our heart to be, how our heart gets moved by that and how that drives our actions. Can I just tell you something? Satan's greatest desire is to get us to drift. He ends up just move in this fast course way where it's like all of a sudden, wow, look, I woke up today and I did this huge, humongous, awful sin. I, that's crazy. That's not how it happens. It's slow and it's methodical. He causes you to drift. He shifts your focus so that you're not focused on what you hear. That then begins to work in your heart as it takes hold. And then before you know it, it drives your actions. And when Jesus started his ministry, he was immediately led into the desert. And in the, in the wilderness, he was alone, he was hungry, and he was tired. And that's the moment when Satan attacked. Satan's no dummy, guys. He's no dummy whatsoever. He knows your heart. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what entices your heart. And then he waits for those moments then to go after that. You know what is the high risk factors of drift? It's moments when we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Do you ever hear that acronym? HALT. And at some point in our journey, we need to call that self out. When we're being tempted to do something, we need to ask ourselves, wait, stop. Am I hungry? Am I angry about something? Am I, am I lonely? Am I tired? Why is this happening? What's going on? And what is the action plan? And all through the Bible, you can kind of pinpoint every single person when they drifted. They were in a moment of hunger, anger, loneliness, or tired. It's a humanity issue, guys. And Satan's no dummy. And he's working the same today as he was from the very beginning of time. Because it's an issue of humanity. It's who we are. And Jesus, when he was led into the wilderness, he was hungry, he was lonely, and he was tired. And that's exactly when Satan showed up. So in those moments when you're drifting, you need to ask yourself, man, I need a halt. What's going on? Am I hungry? Am I, am I angry about something? Am I struggling with loneliness? Do I just need to go to sleep? What's my action plan before I take this step? Because Satan's working. You, this all boils down to something that we cannot overlook, and that is to live intentionally. We need to know and understand and see that we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and he is working diligently to make you drift and be pulled away. Satan is the master of guerrilla warfare, working to make things appear as good and, and okay and not that bad, to undercover what is truly in our hearts to pull us away in a drift. And here's the struggle. We seldom see our immediate and own vulnerabilities. We're really good at seeing other people's vulnerabilities, 
Like, dude, you got some issues. But we really struggle with saying, dude, I have issues. And we really struggle with seeing, where am I really vulnerable? In those moments when I'm hungry and angry or lonely or tired, what are my vulnerabilities that tend to come out where Satan begins to go? And when we don't really know our vulnerabilities and we blind ourselves to them and we put those blinders on, it creates self-deception. And too often that's where Satan works. That's his arena. He makes us become self-deceived of our true vulnerabilities and where we're truly at, thinking, I'm okay. I'm good. I've got this. He's like, yeah, go ahead. You keep thinking that. Because I'm going to get you to drift and drift and drift until you're in the mud. But understand this, guys. Self-deception is not the worst thing you can do. Self-deception is not the, the, the end result. It's not where it's, it's all bad. What the problem is, self-deception is the means by which we do the worst things. Self-deception opens the door to temptations that become a reality. And the sin that is most distorting your life right now is the one you probably can't even see. We all walk around with blinders. And that's why the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. Keep me from deceitful ways. Another translation of this verse, I love how it says, it says, keep me from lying to myself. (laughs) Guys, I lie to myself a lot. And maybe you do too. Where we just make ourselves think, we're good. I'm not drifting. I'm okay. I've got this all under control. And then before we know it, we're there. Another place in Psalm, it says, it prays that God, will you search me, know me, and show me if there's anything within me that offends you. Show me my vulnerabilities. In order to do this, we need to be honest with reality. Because we have a relentless enemy that's constantly pursuing. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I don't really like to deal with reality. I like to just pretend like everything's okay, I've got this. Or maybe reality is so stinky and bad, I just don't want to deal with it. So I run to something else just to take my mind off it. And we find ourselves in hobbies or activities or things that just is another God that we run to to try to keep us away from the reality so that we don't have to deal with it. That maybe if I just run away with it, tomorrow will be all better. But the reality is you can't ignore it. It's not just going to go away when you go to sleep. Because we have a relentless enemy. And at some point in our journey, we need to own up and say, I need to be honest with reality. I'm messed up. And I have vulnerabilities. And I need to be real with what are my blind spots. Because if I'm not, those moments, and they come when I'm hungry, when I'm angry about something, when I'm struggling with loneliness, or when I'm just flat out tired, 
when you're in that weakened state, boy, he comes with a vengeance. He comes with a vengeance. And our problem, my friends, our problem and our failure is not the humanity. Humanity is not our problem. In other words, we all wrestle with something. We all struggle with something. We all have temptations. That's not the problem. Our problem is our failure to admit our humanity and take the appropriate measures to live within the God-designed limits and be intentional about those limits and pursue Jesus. That's where the problem comes in. We need to be honest with ourselves. We have vulnerabilities. We have temptations. I need to be real with that. Because if I'm not, then my humanity, my struggles, my temptations get the best of me. Especially in my weekend moments when the devil comes running. This is the key to godliness. The path towards holiness. Being honest with ourselves. Admitting it in some way. Developing those boundaries and those limits. And pursue God. That's the path to godliness. See, awareness of the battle is the beginning to live intentionally. That's where it all begins. Immediately after Jesus was baptized, right when he was beginning his ministry, the devil came. The devil began to attack him. And Satan attacked Jesus with three temptations that you can find at the beginning of the math of his story in Matthew. You know, these are kind of known as the core compulsions of the heart. Things that we all wrestle with. The, the reality of how Satan attacked Jesus is the core of every person's battle of what's really in our heart, what he tries to pull out and lead us into a drift, into a temptation. Jesus was out there in the wilderness for 40 days, did not eat, completely alone. So you can imagine how hungry and lonely and tired he was in this moment. A completely weakened state in your emotional and physical self. And then Satan came. And he, he tried to crack open the door of sin and try to push the comp compulsions of the heart to lead him into action. You see, we allow these compulsions of our heart to crack open the door and just allow temptations to fester and fester and fester. And these compulsions of the heart, which I really got from a book I'm reading this summer called Soul Strength, I kind of highlight in Jesus' temptations, the first of which is to be relevant. Satan, when he came to Jesus, his first temptation was, hey, you know, you're hungry. Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? Take care of it. Meet your need right now. And I think at some level, we all wrestle with that. We want to be relevant. We want to meet needs. We want to make a difference. And that drive sometimes pushes us away from the heart of God to do things that, to make ourselves be relevant to the world rather than relevant to God. The second temptation that Satan came back around to Jesus was, you know what, you can, you can have all this stuff. Just throw yourself down. 
Kind of make yourself known. You are the son of God. Look at the kingdoms. Just go down there now. Skip all the stuff that's about to come up in your, the next three years. All the junk you have to walk through. Just go down there now and make yourself known. And we wrestle with that too. It's the desire to be spectacular. Within our heart, we all have a desire to be known and to be recognized. And that driving force to be known and to be recognized causes us to do things that we really shouldn't do. Why? Just so that we can get the attention that we want. And the third compulsion of the heart is to be powerful. The devil challenged uh, Jesus by saying, just bow down to me. You can bow down now and you can have all the kingdoms. I'll give it to you. Just have it now. And with so many of us, we have a drive to be powerful, a drive to be in control. And these are the compulsions of our heart. And these usually are one of these three things that Satan goes after to cause us to drift, to crack open the door, to allow temptations to fester, and to become a part of who we are. And rather than being aware of it and acknowledging it and doing something about it, what we tend to do is we just kind of sit in the mud. We've drifted to the mud of life and now we're just sitting in it. And then we just allow it to fester and grow and fester like mold growing in a dark, wet place. And then as temptation festers and we become less and less intentional about trying to run from it, and less and less focused about it, before you know it, our heart kind of shifts a little bit. And before we thought, no, 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 I shouldn't do that. Then as the drift and the mud just kind of escalate and festers, we find ourselves then more putting ourselves in positions to entice it even more. And then we're actively trying to grow it and intensify it and intensify it. And then before you know it, our drift has become just this white water action that just pulled us away. And we need to be honest with our heart. We need to be real with our vulnerabilities, our own blind spots. We need to be intentional. In order for us to see our true value that God gave to us when he created us, to see the God-ordained purpose that he designed us for, We need to pursue him and we need to be intentional because the more we allow drift to happen, the less and less and less we see our value that he's given to us. The less and less and less we see the purpose that he designed us for. You see, my friends, in order for us us to to move in that direction, to not allow drift to occur, we need to live intentional. And that means we need to be honest with our heart. We need to understand our limits We need to know our surroundings and take the appropriate steps towards Jesus. Let me say that one more time. See it on the screen. We need to live intentional to be honest with our heart, to understand our limits, to know our surroundings, and take the appropriate steps towards Jesus. Honesty begins with asking the real questions. What are the compulsions of my heart? What are my vulnerabilities? What What are my blind spots? Jesus, God, search my heart. And if there's anything you find in me that offends you, make it known to me. 
Show me my vulnerabilities. Show me my blind spots. And be real with that. And then you need to begin to set some boundaries. God-given limits. I know we think, in our day and age, we think, I don't need boundaries. Let me just enjoy life. And the more I put boundaries in my life, the more I, I can enjoy. The, the less I put boundaries in my life, the more I can enjoy joy in life. Boundaries are boring. They're dry. They keep me from having fun. But the reality is this. The less boundaries you have in your life, the more struggle you will have in your life and the less joy you will have. You want to have real joy in your life? You better figure out the boundaries and the limits you need. God gave us and wired us that way. In order for us to have healthy, joy-giving lives, we need boundaries. We need boundaries to have healthy bodies. And the same is true for us spiritually. When we live with outside those boundaries, physically, and just eat what we want and do what we want, guess what? Your bodies will take the toll. And the same is true spiritually and emotionally. If you live your life without boundaries and the choices you make, it will take its toll on you spiritually and emotionally and just intensify those questions that, you can't, that we all ask. Why am I here? Why do I exist? What's my purpose? We need to identify what are those limits, what are those boundaries, and live within them to experience our true value in God and see his purpose in our life. And then intentionally pursue Jesus. And the more you pursue him, the more those questions get answered, the more you realize your value, that you were created by God himself, the master designer, that he gave you and ordained you for a purpose. And the more you pursue him, the more the doors just open up to that reality. God, I see who I am in you. No longer what I'm trying to be for myself. We need to pursue him. And over the course of the next few weeks as we go through September, we're going to take that journey. How can we live more intentional? How can we pursue him better on a day-to-day -day basis? Some of you guys probably got the letter in the mail a month ago. Some of you turned in the commitment cards. If not, hopefully you received a commitment card on your way in. And I just ask you to pull those out right now. Go ahead, pull this out. I'm challenging you and I'm asking you to join me and the rest of us here at Impact to identify what is one step that you can take to pursue Jesus more this month of September. Just give it a try. You know, we all say, I'm gonna do this one day. Well, let's make the one day today. Give God a chance. Pursue him and see what he begins to do. Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me, and you'll open up the doors to all that he wants to provide for you in your life. So why don't you take that commitment and see what it may be. I'm not asking you to commit to everything. I'm asking you to pick one thing on there, just one, and give it a try and see what God does. Maybe it's a daily encounter. Maybe, quite honestly, you've been going through life and you really have not been hanging out with Jesus much at all, if at all, other than when you come here. My encouragement to you, if that's you, make it your commitment every day to hang out with Jesus. Whatever, whether it's five minutes, an hour, it doesn't matter. Hang out with Jesus. Read his word, pray, and just listen to him. 
Maybe you haven't been doing daily encounters as a family, family devotions. And I encourage you, if you do the daily encounter, start now. Do a family devotion. Pray together as a, as, as a couple. Be, do a devotion with your kids, whatever your family dynamics look like. Do a family devotion. Maybe you haven't joined a growth group yet. We need community. We were created for community. And the more we try to live life on our own and walk this journey of faith on our own, the more Satan is going to come after you. Go look at nature. The strongest of animals are the ones who find strength in their numbers, in their community. And we need that too. If you're not a part of a growth group, this is a great place where you can be a part of a smaller family within a larger family where we'll find accountability, friendship, and encouragement in your walk. You can learn more about growth groups at one of the tables right back there. Or if you check this box, we'll follow up with you this week. Maybe you need to join a ministry team where you can really find your purpose in the bigger scheme of things. God ordained you for a purpose, and we have a place for you here at Impact. We would love to have you join the team and see what God wants to do, not just in your life, but through your life as you serve together to serve other people, to help share his hope. Maybe you've never taken a step of tithing. I know this is a touchy subject for some. It was a challenge for me in, in the beginning, in my journey when I began. I mean, I wrestled with this for a long time. But when I shifted my focus that, God, this is my opportunity to partner with you in the area of generosity to advance your kingdom. And this is my time to say, God, you are the priority of my life. I trust you fully to take care of me. It's amazing what he began to do as I faithfully walked that and how his, his word was true. He always took care of me. Will you trust him enough to take that step to, to begin to tithe, giving 10% of your income to, to God's ministry here and see what he begins to do? Or maybe you need to share his hope. Maybe you've never shared uh, your faith with somebody else. You know, there's so many people that surround you every week who need the hope of Jesus. And maybe this month is the month for you to finally take a step and share your story with them. Think of five people in your line of sight who need hope. Maybe it's a friend, family member, coworker. Write those five names down. I'm sure you can come up with, up with more, but just five. And then begin to pray for them every day that God will work on their heart and open up the door for you to share your story with them. And then look for the opportunities. God will open up that opportunity. And when that happens, share your story of what God's been doing in your life, how he transformed your life, and invite them to come with you to impact. And watch what God begins to do in their life. You might come to the end of September and say, well, Bill, that opportunity never came. I bet it did, but you maybe overlooked it or you skipped out on it. But nonetheless, that's okay. If that time comes, you're like, I never got the opportunity. Then at the end of the month, I want you to find some way to bless them extraordinarily. Bless them and see what God begins to do. I bet we all have at least one step we could mark. So what's your one step? Will you join us in making a commitment to say, I'm gonna try this one thing this month and see what God begins to do. If you'll fill this out and, and then you can put it in the offering containers on the way out and we're gonna be praying for you. In fact, those of you who fill out these commitment cards, you'll be getting a phone call from one of our leaders just to support you, encourage you, and to pray with you because we want you to know that you have prayer warriors for you this month to see what God begins to do through this step. Will you join us in that? Let's pursue Jesus together and see what he does. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you are so good. 
And in this moment, we just come to you. Help us to experience you more. Lord, I just know in my personal walk, and I'm sure every person here can say pretty much the same thing. We get so unfocused. We, we just kind of turn off our engines and just begin to drift. And we don't, we're not focused on what we're listening to or hearing or wh- how that's affecting us. And then before we know it, it consumes us and we're just overwhelmed with life. Lord, I just pray right now you help us to refocus that lens and turn back to you. To not drift, but be intentional. And Lord, I just pray for these commitments. I know you're working on the hearts of so many people right now in this moment. It's so easy to say, oh, I'll, I'll look at that later. But Father, I pray right now that your spirit just works in our hearts to make this commitment and actually put it in practice. And Lord, as we make this commitment and take those steps, we just ask for you to move in a mighty way. And may we experience you in a whole new way. That through that, we can see our value, how much you love us, and how you designed us and the purpose you've given to us. And may you receive all the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.